Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, September 23rd. In today's news, President Trump swoops into Houston to play the unusual role of warm-up act for India's prime minister. Elizabeth Warren overtakes Joe Biden in an Iowa poll, but Bernie Sanders is the biggest loser. And Game of Thrones wins its final Emmy in another heavily politicized award ceremony. But first, the big idea. Democratic frustration with Speaker Nancy Pelosi's unwillingness to impeach President Trump is reaching a fever pitch following reports that Trump pressured Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden and his son. An increasingly vocal group of pro-impeachment House Democrats are starting to dismiss their own oversight of Trump as feckless, accusing their colleagues of emboldening the president by refusing to stand up to what they see as lawless behavior. At the very least, these Democrats say the House should be taking more aggressive action to break the unprecedented White House stonewalling, possibly even fining or jailing defiant Trump officials, an idea Pelosi dismissed earlier this year, but which has increasing momentum inside the caucus. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a longtime impeachment backer and a member of The Squad, tweeted this weekend that, at this point, in her words, the bigger national scandal isn't the president's law-breaking behavior, it's the Democratic Party's refusal to impeach him for it. It's one thing for a sitting president to break the law, she tweeted, but it's another to let him. Even House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, an impeachment skeptic and a Pelosi ally, suggested this weekend that the Rubicon may have been crossed. He said impeachment might now be inevitable, and he called reports of Trump requesting that the Ukrainian leader investigate a business connected to Biden's son, quote, the most profound violation of the presidential oath of office yet. Trump suggested Sunday that he did indeed mention Biden and his son Hunter in a phone call with the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, before releasing U.S. military aid. Trump has denied that he did anything wrong amid questions about whether he abused power to seek help from a foreign country for his reelection. Several people close to Pelosi told our Rachel Bade on Sunday that the speaker realizes Trump's Ukraine request could force her hand. I'm told that she and Schiff were in touch throughout the weekend, syncing up strategies and talking points. In a rare Sunday afternoon letter to all the members of the House, the Speaker called for the Director of National Intelligence to turn over the whistleblower complaint detailing Trump's interactions with Ukraine. Pelosi threatened an unspecified escalation in House action if Trump refuses, though notably she stopped short of impeachment. White House lawyers have sought ways at every turn to block documents or witnesses from congressional investigators under the direction of the President, who decries the various probes into him and his finances as unfair he also mocks House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler routinely. The calculation, White House officials tell my colleague Josh Dossie, is that there will not be much of a price to pay for obstinance from the general public, that the people who will be upset by the stonewalling will be on the left. Democrats, they say, have been unable to move public sentiment in favor of impeaching Trump. Two White House officials add that they're not worried about defying or mocking Nadler because Pelosi's made it clear she's not interested in impeachment and the House Democratic Caucus is split about what to do. But in the 235-member Democratic Caucus, a majority of 138 have now publicly endorsed impeachment. With Pelosi unwilling to impeach Trump, Democratic rank-and-file members are frantically looking for something to fortify their investigations. On Friday afternoon, judiciary members pressed Nadler to invoke Congress's long-dormant inherent contempt authority. This would allow Congress to jail or fine people for defying subpoenas. Nadler supports this idea. 
The power hasn't been used in a hundred years about Pelosi members of her leadership team and some house lawyers were dismissive of the idea when investigators first floated it in the spring, but members of the committee are once again, trying to force the issue and are planning to make the matter a big focus this week. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, India's Narendra Modi lathered praise on his American counterpart as the leaders of the world's two largest democracies took the stage together in Houston on Sunday afternoon. Before a roaring crowd of tens of thousands of Indian Americans, Trump warmed up the crowd for India's prime minister. Called Howdy Modi, the event was staged to honor the prime minister as he makes his way to the United Nations for this week's General Assembly and was billed as the largest gathering for an invited foreign leader other than the Pope. Modi talked at length about what a great job Trump's doing. He repeatedly referred to him as his friend and a friend of India. The two strode onto the stage together, holding hands. Trump delivered remarks, and unlike at his own campaign rallies, he didn't stray from his script on the teleprompter. The president highlighted his stewardship of the economy, but drew far more impassioned responses when he talked about other issues. The president received a standing ovation when he denounced radical Islamic terrorism, which the crowd might have taken as a reference to the situation in Kashmir. And Trump got sustained applause when he vowed to stop illegal immigration. The president closed with a direct pitch to expand his share of support among Indian Americans in 2020. Number two, a poll published this weekend by the Des Moines Register shows Elizabeth Warren edging out Biden in Iowa. It's within the margin of error, but it's the first time the vice president has not led in such a respected early state survey. Warren leads with 22% to 20% for Biden, but the race is very fluid. Only 12% of Warren supporters in that poll say they're fully committed to caucusing for her. The other 88% say they could still be persuaded to support someone else. But Biden has been falling. He got 32% in this register poll last December. He's at 20% now. His favorability rating has also taken a pretty big hit. Sanders, too, has stumbled, falling from 25% in March to 11% now. Even among those who say they caucused for Bernie in 2016, only one in four say they plan to do so again. The register poll underscores how much of a problem Warren poses for Sanders. She's winning a bigger share of people who caucused for Sanders in 2016 than he is, and she's now outpacing him among those under 35, which had been his strong suit. Sanders' campaign officials dismiss the notion that their candidate is struggling, and they vow to plow ahead with aggressive moves to win the caucuses. Sanders is embarking today on a Bernie Beats Trump bus tour across the state, an effort to make the case that he is the most electable choice against the president. But his more immediate obstacle is Warren, whom he has refrained from criticizing, though some of his surrogates have become more and more aggressive when talking about her. The third fundraising quarter comes to an end next Monday, and the candidates are scrambling this week for cash. Cory Booker's campaign even made a stark announcement over the weekend. His manager says he needs to raise $1.7 million by the end of September, or else he'll probably need to drop out. The manager said they do not see a, quote, legitimate long-term path forward without that money. Number three, HBO's Game of Thrones won its final Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series in an award show that demonstrated how great TV shows are doing right now. Fleabag took home the award for Best Comedy Series, Best Actress, Comedy Writing, and Comedy Directing. Other highlights of this year's show include Billy Porter becoming the first openly gay man to win an Emmy for Best Drama Actor. On stage, Porter said, the category is love, y'all, and quoted James Baldwin as he talked about his sexuality. 
Jaharl Jerome received a standing ovation for his lead actor award win for the Netflix series When They See Us, which is about the Central Park Five. Jerome thanked the five men and said it was an honor and a blessing to portray their story. Michelle Williams gave an impassioned speech about equal pay after she won the award for Best Lead Actress in a Limited Series or Movie for Fosse Verdon. During her acceptance speech after winning Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series, Patricia Arquette said she's still struggling with the death of her sister, Alexis, a trans woman who died in 2016 of complications stemming from HIV. Arquette urged the end of persecution for trans people. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, September 23rd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.